The Modern Tire Dealer Show is sponsored by MTD10, the training and education network. Formerly DSP20 Group, 10 is the most progressive, comprehensive resource offering tire dealers the solutions, connections, and training they need to reach their goals. From one-on-one coaching and 20 group networking to real-world on-site problem-solving and exclusive content, 10 offers an all-encompassing approach to education unlike anything the industry has ever seen, one that will ensure your business succeeds long-term. Learn more about what 10 can do for you and your business at mtd10.com. Welcome to this week's edition of the Modern Tire Dealer Show. I'm Mike Mangus, editor of Modern Tire Dealer. COVID-19 is not going away. In fact, it will likely be part of our lives and will have an impact on how you run your business for a long time to come. Today's guest, Mario Barrera, an attorney at Norton Rose Fulbright US, is board certified in labor and employment law. Given his certification and specialty in both OSHA and equal employment opportunity matters, Mario has become an expert on COVID-19 related employment issues. This interview was conducted just two hours before President Biden held a press conference announcing that all employees at private sector companies with 100 or more workers will have to ensure that their entire workforce is vaccinated or tested for COVID-19 regularly. In this interview, Mario discusses vaccine mandates, why experts should be consulted before you impose a mandate at your business, why paying attention to local COVID-19 rules and regulations is more important than ever, what you need to keep in mind when navigating the next phase of the pandemic, and much more. This is a can't-miss episode, so let's get to it. Earlier this year in in the May issue of MTD, you contributed a fantastic article, uh, kind of a snapshot of where we were with the COVID-19 pandemic, along with uh, uh, tips and best practices and advice for our listeners as to how to manage through uh, the the pandemic as they've been since it started last year. Um, But with the emergence of of different variants, the, the Delta variant and now the Mu variant, which is on the horizon, it really seems like COVID-19 is not going anywhere. It's probably going to be with us for a long time and, and will be something that our listeners will have to, to factor into their operations for a long time. I, I agree, Mike, and it, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be back with you. And um, it, it, it just seems like a long time ago that we did that article uh, from Modern Tire Dealer and we really thought back in the March, April timeframe when we prepared it, that by this time this year, we would completely sort of be back to normal. We hadn't really heard of the Delta variant. Um, unfortunately, as what we have seen time and time again with this pandemic um, is that it just keeps mutating. It keeps changing on us. Um, it seems like just when we let our guard down, it comes back and socks us right between the eyes. And so right. here we are again, um, this time with a much more contagious, much more dangerous mutation. If you can imagine from last year's um, strain that initially started this whole pandemic, um, it's hard to believe, but it, that's where we're at right now. So it's good to be here. It's good to talk about this thing. And I think actually, as, as you said, I do think we're we're going to be here with COVID for quite some time. Um, there's so many resources out there that we can all listen to and read. Um, take your pick. Many of them have said, you know, hopefully we'll clear this thing by next year. 
That's what we said last year about this year clearing it. Um, there's some experts out there who are predicting that we'll be with COVID uh, and its various mutations for at least another two to three years. And there are some and that really feel that we've kind of lost the fight on COVID and that it's going to be with us just like the annual flu. And it's just, you know, we're never, we will never see the end of COVID. I think the, the truth is somewhere in between those three extremes. Um, and, uh, but there's a lot out there that we can be doing, Mike. Um, and, but we have to separate sort of the, the information from the misinformation and look at what's best that really fits the individual, the individual business, the individual dealership. Um, you know, whether you're an independent and you're affiliated with a large company uh, or you're truly an independent, you're a mom and pop operation, uh, it's not a one size fits all. And so I think that's where we need to start is what is best for the employer out there and knowing and recognizing that there are a lot of obligations and responsibilities that an employer has to its employees. What, what are some of those ongoing obligations and responsibilities? Well, I think, you know, we, we start with the whole idea of, um, you know, regardless of your size, there is a federal statute and there are about 20 something odd states that have their own version of the Occupational Safety and Health Administration Act or OSHA. And we've all known, we all heard about OSHA. Um, we, I think, tend to think about OSHA as that law that really kind of comes in whenever there is a, you know, a, a workplace accident, there is an explosion, right. there is a death. But OSHA is so much more than that, Mike. Well, absolutely. And, and we, we also tend to think of, of OSHA as being a national thing, I think. But really, uh, the, the, the laws and regulations and rules surrounding COVID are, are more, of a, more of a local issue. Would you agree? At least that's my gathering. There, there, there is an element of that. Uh, I think we have to start with the, from a local, from a, from a federal perspective, I should say. And that is we have a federal law out there that says that employers are supposed to provide a safe working environment for all their employees that are free of hazards that could cause injury or worse death to those employees. And that's called the general duty clause. And that comes from OSHA. And as I've said, there are 20 something odd states that have their own state versions of OSHA. I happen to be based in Texas and Texas doesn't have their own state statute, but many states do. And so besides the federal OSHA act, you have to look at whether your own state where you're located happens to have their version, their state version of OSHA. And some of those requirements, for example, California's state OSHA statute in many respects is much more stringent than the federal statute. Mm -hmm. So again, you have to be looking at what is there at a state level. And then there are some municipalities, some counties that have become very proactive in recent times on a lot of legislation. And, and I've not seen it yet with regard to OSHA um, they've gotten themselves involved in paid sick leave and um, ban the box and, you know, predictive scheduling and, and, and living wage rates, uh, issues like that. Um, and there's been a big sort of fight at the state legislature as to how much control are they going to cede 
to the local municipalities. The local municipalities and the counties think that they know their populations better than those folks that you know go to the state capital um, and legislate on behalf of the state. So um, we're not seeing OSHA-related local statutes and ordinances yet, mm-hmm. but I really do think it's a matter of time, uh, especially for those more progressive states that don't have their own state version of OSHA. They may be getting into the fray, but for right now, I think employers need to be looking at federal. They need to be looking at state with regard to workplace safety. Now, I've said a lot right now, and I just use one of the most subjective, ambiguous terms you can use, workplace safety. What does that mean? Well, let's kind of ratchet it, sort of laser now focus more on COVID. Because in the ordinary sense that we think, you think about um, guards that you would put in in machinery that that can cut so that it protects employers, I mean, employees. You think about logout, tagout, you know, devices for highly dangerous, uh, you know, electric uh, devices. And you talk about training and you talk about skid-proof floors and uh, operating with steel-toed boots and, you know, goggles. That's kind of how we normally think of OSHA, again. But it's so much more because when it came to COVID, uh, there was a, a huge hue and cry last year, if you recall, Mike, that OSHA simply wasn't doing enough mm-hmm. with regard to protecting employees from the pandemic. They weren't issuing standards for what was acceptable. They weren't doing enough to talk about social distancing models and how to best protect the employee. And that has changed with the change in the administration, but I suspect we're going to see OSHA go from one extreme to the other. Um, from maybe under regulation to what a lot of businesses and a lot of people may believe to be over regulation. Um, but you have, you know, very simple, straightforward things to do. You can do to protect your employees from those plexiglass sort of dividers or partitions that we've seen mask mandates, which I know are highly unpopular with a lot of people, but they are cheap. They are proven to be effective. Um, that there are, um, you know, sort of these emblems, these uh, decals that you can put on your floor so you can separate your, um, you know, people uh, and especially your clientele to be a little bit more safe. There are things called vaccine mandates, which, boy, if we thought mass mandates were unpopular, vaccine mandates seem to be also very unpopular. But these are just some examples of what employers can look at to try and keep their employees safe. I think a lot of our listeners, if not most or all of our listeners were very uh, proactive and aggressive in responding to the initial wave of COVID uh, during the first and second quarter of last year by implementing a lot of those measures and safeguards that you just described, the plexiglass shields, the masks, the social distancing. Uh, Some of them went as far as to implement pick up and drop off, touchless, uh, service uh, or, and, and other things that have now become really part and parcel of how they now do business and how they will do business moving forward. But y- you mentioned, though, that vaccines have, have obviously been in the news and, and there have been, in some cases, companies that have mandated that their employees get the vaccine. Uh, they've made it a almost a condition of employment, and, which I think in a way 
might create some some confusion. And and I've wanted to the answer to this too. Can can business people? Let's say I own a tire dealership or an automotive repair facility. I have a staff, maybe a dozen people who work for me. Can I legally force them to get vaccinated? Is is that even possible? Yeah, that's a question that, um, as an employment specialist, I get asked and was asked so many times last year. And the EEOC finally came down, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, which for employment purposes is the federal agency that we look at for guidance. You know, throughout this this whole process here, um, you know, as an employment attorney, we've looked to the CDC for guidance. We've looked for to OSHA for guidance. And But when it comes to these type of topics, we look to the EEOC. And the EEOC issued its guidance um, that very clearly um, gives employers the right to issue these vaccine uh, vaccination mandates. So the short answer, Mike, is yes, employers can do that. And we're seeing more and more as the Delta variant has hit. Um, and we'll get into some statistics on, on the Delta variant. And we'll talk about some of these other variants of interest, variants of concern. But as you know, sort of the Delta variant came, started hitting us in the May, really June, and then hit us hard, has hit us hard in July, August, and it continues to hit us hard into September. Um, you've seen reports, red reports, I'm sure. Um, airlines, United Airlines, um, American Airlines have all mandated vaccines. Hospitals have mandated vaccines. Now, obviously we think of hospitals as the safe, that should be the safe place to be able to go to for treatment. So most of us understand why hospitals have issued those, those vaccination mandates, but it's not been without a fight. There have been a lot, there's been a lot of litigation against hospitals uh, who have issued those vaccination mandates, but it's not just been the airlines. It's been Uber, it's been Lyft, it's been fast food places mm-hmm. like McDonald's, um, the uh, uh, Walt Disney, uh, the MGM resorts there in, in Las Vegas, the, the, the pharmacies, Walgreens, CVS, um, the big uh, food manufacturers like Tyson Foods. Um, then you think about all these, you know, sort of investment companies um, up in the Northeast like Goldman Sachs and uh, whatnot, DoorDash. Um, it, I, the list is endless. It, it is incredible. And it's not just companies. Uh, obviously, we talk about hospitals being a safe haven. Um, our schools are supposed to be a safe haven for our children and for our college students. So you've seen a lot of school districts. You've seen a lot of colleges and universities. Um, Michigan, University of Michigan just issued its its own mandate. Um, University of California system has issued their own mandate. University of Minnesota. It, it's not just those places where one would think if you're kind of on the conservative political spectrum, you'd say, oh, well, that's the Northeast and that's the West Coast. Mm -hmm. We would expect those places to have mandates. Mm -hmm. Those mandates are happening all over the country. A couple of minutes ago, you mentioned litigation as it pertains to potential vaccine mandates. So let's say I want to impose a vaccine mandate at my, my small business. I would probably want to talk to my attorney first or, or a recognized expert within the field before I make any sort of sweeping uh, mandate, correct? 
Absolutely. And, and I hate to come across this sort of same, uh, shamelessly self-promotion, but yes, this is, if you're going to get into mandatory sort of directives, dictates to your employees, it's always best to consult with, with an expert, um, with an attorney who specializes in this area in, in, in employment work, because there are so many nuances, one word, one phrase, one thing that you might omit um, could be catastrophic. So yes, the hospitals, at least here in Texas, um, there were a couple of hospital um, systems in the Houston area. Uh, I believe it was Methodist that issued a mandate um, and they were sued fairly quickly. And the appellate court, the district judge and the courts of appeal have upheld those mandates. And so um, I, I think it's, it's, it's clear that there are a lot of jurisdictions out there that believe in the mandates, you're going to get the support if you want to do this. That being said, um, again, because this is such a polarizing topic, we have tried to come up with creative ways to incentivize employees to get vaccinated without telling them they're going to have to get vaccinated. And so I have a host of clients who have, who have with consultation with me and my colleagues uh, throughout the firm, have created what we call these hybrid policies. And a hybrid policy is simply that it's, you know, if you've been vaccinated, Mario, um, you don't have to wear your mask around the office as much. Um, you can take it off unless you're going to go into a common area. You might want to consider putting it on. But if you're fully vaccinated and you're willing to show us proof, you're fine. You can attend in-person meetings. If we have events off-site for our customers or clients, um, you can attend those. On the other hand, Mario, you've indicated that you're not vaccinated. Well, we're gonna to have to have you wear your mask around work. And not, you know, you can take it off in your office, but anywhere else you're gonna you're gonna to have to wear a mask. And if you don't and we catch you not wearing a mask, we're gonna to have to issue a disciplinary notice to you because you're violating a policy like any other policies. Um, you could also make me um, do daily temperature checks. You could make me do a weekly COVID testing regimen, things that kind of make it a little bit more onerous so that the employees finally say, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of going and getting tested on a weekly basis. Let me just get the vaccine. And I, I find that that sort of approach is a little bit easier uh, for employees to swallow and for employers to implement that just unilaterally going there and saying in two weeks, you better show us proof that you're vaccinated or else we're gonna to have to terminate your employment. That's kind of, a, that's tough, but we're seeing a lot of companies do that. So, so the, the business owner does have options. You can either uh, adapt a, a vaccine mandate or dictate, or you can, you can apply more of a hybrid approach as you just described. But it sounds like it would be really difficult to police that you know, on an ongoing basis. And it, it, it is, it is. And a lot of it, you have to sort of depend on people's, um, you know, word that, that they're telling you. And, and keep in mind, when we talk about the federal and the state sort of directives, mandates under OSHA, um, where the local jurisdictions have come into play, or at, even at a state level, are with regard to these, what we call vaccine passports. You know, we, I'm looking at mine right here. Um, I would reach over, but I'd probably get too close to the camera. But we all, for those of us that got vaccinated, we have a nice car. And um, local jurisdictions, 
uh, or actually more I'm talking thinking right now, states like my state, Texas, um, governor has issued uh, not only an executive order, but you know the, uh, the Republican uh, control legislature issued a law that has now come into effect that um, you know public employers, government, and any private company that receives state funds, you can't require this. You can't require them to show you their vaccine passport. And so again, before you go into these mandates, it's best to contact an attorney to make sure that you've got the federal, you've got the state, you've got the local areas covered so that you know you're in the right. And, um, but it's, it's, it's confusing. I understand why people are sometimes upset. They want to pull their hair out because they don't know where to turn. There's just a lot of contradictory positions right now on this. A lot, a lot of complexity too. Um, as, as we wind down this, this interview, what are two or three things that independent tire dealership owners can do or need to keep in mind while navigating what we're calling the next phase of the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, you know, we've talked about one of them, Mike, already, and that is to recognize that they have to do something to protect their employees. You know, under, under federal and state OSHA law, you have to do it. And you pointed out that many of your um, subscribers and, and, and dealers out there enacted those protocols last year. But what we found is that a lot of them have since relaxed them, mm -hmm. uh, especially as we saw in the springtime when we all really, really thought when you and I first connected and we thought by the fall, we're gonna be okay. And, and, and again, we sort of let our guard down. We, we relax those protocols and, and employers just need to be ready because we're gonna see these flash fires mm -hmm. for COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't just, with, it wasn't Delta. It's not just gonna be Delta. And you mentioned at the, at the beginning of the, of, the, of the podcast, the move variant. That's another variant. It's now in 49 states. Um, it's spread, but it's still only listed as a variant of interest and where it's the lowest category uh, by both the CDC and the World Health Organization. Doesn't mean that it can't come back and wallop us like, like Delta has, but right now we're just kind of keeping an eye out. So I think employers need to have those protocols ready to reinstate if we see another flash fire like we saw this summer with Delta. Um, so keeping their employees safe is one thing that every employer needs to understand. Number two, I think the employer, regardless of where they stand, whether you're on one side of the political spectrum where you are anti-mask, anti-vaccination, or you're on the other side where you feel that everyone should be absolutely vaccinated and masked up, the employer should be a sounding board, should be an objective sounding board for its employees. Your employees rely a lot on you, not just for your job, but on day-to-day on -day sort of advice. And they need to understand what, what is going on and why you're doing certain things and basically based on objective evidence. And so when we let our guard down and we let Delta, for example, hit us, we see absenteeism. We see employees who just get frustrated and they quit. We see interruptions in the inventory in the supply chain. Um, we can't meet our contracts. We're not meeting our revenue. I don't think, honestly, Mike, we're gonna go back to shutdowns like we did in 2020. 
We did that because we didn't know anything about the virus at that point. Mm -hmm. But we need to have that open conversation with employees and just understand that as long as we keep having these variants and as long as we keep having COVID, it's going to continue to affect business and they've got to be ready to react. So as you said a few minutes ago, this is definitely not the time to let our collective guard down. We have to remain vigilant. We have to adhere to uh, the, the guidelines and the standards and, and just stay on top of it as, as the situation evolves. Obviously, highly fluid uh, scenario. It, it, it's scenarios that we've never had to deal with as, as American business owners. Um, you know, we've had the flu, um, you know, sort of pandemics, if we, if we want to even use that word, connected with the flu. We've had some close calls, you know, when Ebola came, um, we were all scared. You know, we weren't really sure how that was going to end up affecting us, but it didn't land here in the United States, not to the level that we've seen in the last year and a half. And so you're right, I'm, I'm going to take a page out of your book. Employers have to be fluid. They have to be ready to change because whether it's the original strain from last year, whether it's the Delta strain variant, whether it's the Mu, whether it's the Lambda. I mean, I've got a list here of like nine variants, Mike. Wow. <laughs> it's hard, hard to keep up with. And they all have, you know, sort of the Greek letters. And But at the end of the day, we need to understand that this is going to be with us because there are countries out there, Mike, that have yet to receive any um, COVID vaccinations. So those are gonna be hotspots for other variants. That's where they're gonna develop. And someone listening to this podcast may say, well, I don't have to go to that country and we don't have to allow those people to come into our country. And that's true. You know, We can enact certain measures like we did in the previous administration, but all that has to happen is I go travel to a country and a person from that country travels to the same country and we happen to connect and I bring that variant back here to the United States. So as long as we continue to have hotspots throughout the world, we are a global economy now, we are connected globally, we're not gonna see the end of COVID. So employers need to be always vigilant, be fluid, be ready to react. And if they have any questions, they need to contact an attorney, a specialist in employment law that can help guide them. Mario, thank you so much for all of that insight and expert advice. Really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to join us today. And, it was great to be here, Mike. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. You're very welcome. And, and we'll continue to cover this topic as it evolves as well. And perhaps we'll, we'll speak with you later in the year or even next year as we read Looking forward to the, it. the pandemic. Thank you so much for your time. Hope you have a great week. All right. You too. Thank you. The Modern Tire Dealer Show is sponsored by MTD10, the training and education network. Formerly DSP20 Group, 10 is the most progressive, comprehensive resource offering tire dealers the solutions, connections, and training they need to reach their goals. From one-on-one -on -one coaching and 20 group networking to real-world on-site problem solving and exclusive content, 10 offers an all-encompassing approach to education unlike anything the industry has ever seen one that will ensure your business succeeds long-term. Learn more about what 10 can do for you and your business at mtd10.com. Thanks for listening to the Modern Tire Dealer Show. For more information or to contact Mario, email him at mario.barrera at nortonrosefulbright.com. 
That's M-A-R-I-O dot B-A-R-R-E-R-A at NortonRoseFulbright.com. You can also access more information at the company's website, www.NortonRoseFulbright.com. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you again soon.